having my stickies in order. It's time for me to start the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the Friday show with Dustin here on the Culture Jacked podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Hopefully your week was was wonderful and you got that promotion you were looking for or you you finally you finally did it. You proposed to that that lady of your dreams or, you know, maybe your maybe your kid just ate all of their dinner uh, every night of the week. I am going to talk a little bit about comic books today. And I think it wasn't last week, but maybe the week before where I said I was going to talk about comic books. And so I'm going to take that information that I had that week, but had to spare because I spent too much time talking about uh, who the characters were in the Suicide Squad movie, the new one by James Gunn, which I'm very excited about. And I didn't get time for it. Or I guess I had time, but I didn't feel like you needed to spend all of your time with me. But, I mean, I guess technically if I'm talking about it today, then you're you're still spending like the same amount of time just at disparate times. Uh, so really, I haven't saved you any time. But I have made you wait with bated breath and anticipation for when I finally do talk a little bit about comic books today. So get into it, Dustin, so we can talk about these these comic books. Hopefully everyone caught the Monday Madness episode with Anthony. It was a good one. Go check it out if you haven't. Uh, he talked a little bit about the social dilemma on Netflix, about stand-up arcade machines, and some other things uh, that I think you'll find very, very interesting. So if you haven't seen that or if you haven't heard it, uh, please, please make sure you go check that out as well. I watched The Social Dilemma because of you, Anthony. I, I did it. I, I don't know if I wasn't going to, but I did. Um, I'm glad that I did. I'm glad that I, I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm going to give you what my take was on this show that Anthony basically forced me to watch. Uh, but before we get into all that, I've got a couple quick news bites that I want to talk to you about that have happened as of late. Um, there is a new Furiosa spinoff. It's in development for WB, and of course Furiosa was the main character in the Mad Max movie. It wasn't Mad Max. It was a bait and switch. But Furiosa, uh, played by uh, Charlize Theron. I believe is who was the, she was the main character. Uh, she was great in that movie, but she's not going to be starring in this one. This one's going to be starring a person named Anya Taylor joy, which regrettably I'm not very familiar with. Uh, also Chris Hemsworth is rumored to be rumored to be playing or confirmed. I'm not sure. And Yaha Abdul Mateen, the second will also be starring in this Furiosa spinoff movie. I'm excited. The Mad Max style movies are ones they just there's this there's this romanticism that we all have for the apocalypse for some strange reason. Like nobody would want an actual apocalypse. But but by gosh, do we glorify it and we dream about it and fantasize about it and fetishize about it? It's it's a cool, it's a cool thing to consider, and you consider the resiliency of uh, 
mankind of a human and you you also get to consider the depravity and the depths to which people will sink so it's a very very fun concept to play around with and think about though i i doubt many people would be that enthused to be desperately searching for their next meal or in the the case of the mad max world uh the next next can of fuel so you can uh you know keep your keep your big old diesel truck running Another announcement, a Monster Hunter movie uh, has dropped a, a couple of trailers, and it is slated to come out by the end of 2020. We will see what goes on uh, the end of 2020, because it doesn't look like theaters are coming back. More and more movies are pushing their their big titles back because they don't anticipate making a lot of money at the theater. And so I can't imagine either they don't have faith that this monster hunter movie will make it big or they're also going to be pushing it back. Eventually there was a a bunch of things that came out of the New New York comic con this year to include the MODOK trailer. So, uh, MODOK is, he's a, um, he's a Marvel supervillain. And I can't remember what uh, his name is actually an acronym. It's it's something to do with a m- machine operating determinant of killing. I don't know what it is. But um, anyway, MODOK is being played by Patton Oswalt. So they had an extended sneak peek of that show. And it's it's done in a style that's very claymated maybe they said they they took inspiration uh from spider-man into the spider-verse which i think is a a little liberally applied because one spider-man was a cg joint and uh two the animation is nowhere as incredible looking as spider-man into the spider-verse was it would be more akin to, say, a robot chicken style show. And it's very, very funny looking. It's like Modoc is leading a regular life. He's trying to run this company to take on these superheroes. But he he can't. He's just a... His company's going under. His, his home life has fallen apart. And it starts like his family members and stuff. It's a very interesting concept. And... Modoc is another one of those characters that I don't know much about. So before I head into this one, as I am prone to do, I will go to the wiki. I will examine. I will dig up. I will find every piece of information I can on Modoc, so I can I can say whether he was portrayed well or not in this animated show. A big piece of news: the new. Pixar animated film Soul is being released directly to Disney Plus. And unlike Mulan, it's not being released for a premium access fee. So they're just putting it on the service. I believe it's in December, around the holiday, around Christmas, I believe. There's a new HBO Max Green Lantern series. And like Kevin Smith and James Bernardin said, it's not going to star Hal, Hal Jordan or John Stewart. And 
Hal Jordan was the one played by Ryan Reynolds, and John Stewart was the one that was portrayed in the Justice League animated television show, which was an amazing show. I used to watch the Justice League. It was awesome. It starred a bevy of superheroes. It was where I got my introduction to people like uh, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, who was it? Plastic Man, I believe his name was. All these weird off-brand heroes, along with, you know, the main Hall of Famers, Superman, Batman, Flash, those guys. In other news, Kevin Bacon said in an interview that he would be willing, how magnanimous of him, to play himself in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. (laughs) You know, for those of you familiar with Guardians of the Galaxy, they made a big running joke about, you know, Chris Pratt was trying to impress um, uh, Gamora. Uh, Chris Pratt, what, what the heck was his name in the show? It was Star-Lord. Star-Lord was trying to impress Gamora, and he said, you know, something along the lines of, like, the great Earth hero, uh, Kevin Bacon, in Footloose. And so, what a wonderful, what a wonderful cameo that would be. New Mutants is going to be released digitally in November. So, for those of you that missed it in the theater, not many many of us saw it in the theater, um... It will be up for up for uh, rental or purchase coming in November. I didn't see any word on whether it would be released on Disney Plus. I'm sure it will be eventually. Um, another note on Disney Plus: if you guys haven't noticed, if you haven't been in there in a while, because there's no content in Disney Plus, they've categorized their Marvel movies. And so, if you're planning a rewatch of any of the MCU, they've got them in Phase 1, Phase 2, and Phase 3. And they also have categorized the old X-Men movies, as well as the Fantastic Four movies, in a section that they're calling Legacy Marvel. So, I think that's kind of cool. It, it'll help people know kind of the continuities of different universes and that just because this is a Marvel branded film and it stars super powered beings doesn't necessarily mean it's in the same universe though to think of it with Electro coming to the Spider-Verse and Maguire and Garfield maybe coming back and it being a multiverse Spider-Verse sort of thing Will there be an eventuality when they incorporate some of these characters into the MCU via a multiverse type plot thread? And could this be an opportunity where we don't necessarily have to use Hugh Jackman for Wolverine in the MCU, but still kind of get to use him in the MCU for one or two movies as an alternate dimension Wolverine? I think that would be amazing. Disney make it happen. There's a new animated show uh, coming on uh, Amazon in 2021, and it's called Invincible. It's There are people that worked on the Teen Titans. I don't know in what aspect or regard they worked on the Teen Titans, but you can tell it's a very same animation style. And it's about like the superhero father and son and he's the next in line to be the superhero and they're playing catch like it's it opens with them playing catch 
you know, they got the baseball mitt, but they're faced opposite directions. So they're not even looking at each other. And the father's like, all right, can you hear it? You hear it coming? Do you see it? And then this baseball whizzes and the kid catches it from the other direction. He's like, okay, now you try. And so the kid throws it the opposite way and it zips past a plane. It blasts through a mountain and it just is, is hurling in orbit around the earth. He's playing catch with his, with his father around the earth. And then it's got some very, it's an adult animation. This is not a childish cartoon. It has some very adult themes in that the main hero is seen to be smashing someone over the head with a, a piece of asphalt with rebar in it. And he, it looks like he's crushing someone's head and their eye is popping out. Or maybe it's a bad guy. I don't know. It looks amazing. I was a big fan of Teen Titans. Teen Titans, go. You can go screw yourself. I hate you. I hate you so much. But I was a big fan of Teen, teen Titans. And so this animation style plus this concept is very, very appealing to me. It is very star-studded. Unfortunately, I didn't I didn't write down all the names in it, but a couple that I can remember is J.K. Simmons. Sounds like he's going to be playing the father superhero. And then uh, Zachary Quinto, uh, he's going to be... I actually have no idea, and I'm not even going to, to hazard a guess on who he's going to be. This is a, a news story or an update, I think, that would be very interesting to hear what Anthony has to say about it. But a new update to the PS4 and PS5 is going to allow players to record their party voice chats. And they're going to allow them to do this for a means of moderation. Um, and... If, if PlayStation 5 can get reports of uh, toxic behavior, maybe foul language, um, you know, things that don't really align with who we want to see and have on the Internet, then this will be a way for players to moderate kind of themselves without having to depend on an algorithm. They can send in a recording or at least that's that's the intention now. Xbox did something kind of similar last year and they introduced filters, um, chat filters to groups and to messages and other features. They've got three, three settings. Friendly means you're not going to see hardly any foul language and it's going to be, it's going to really restrict the things that are coming through to you. Medium, you'll, you know, you'll see some, but nothing too egregious. And then there's mature, which, well, like it sounds, you'll be able to get, you, the sky's the limit. You say what you want, you, uh, you fuck someone else's mother, you uh, think someone should go die, kill themselves, whatever. You know, old school Xbox 360 uh, voice chat, maybe. Now, when I, when I read this story and then remembered uh, or found the... Xbox story similar to it, you know, you, you can't help but start thinking and you see it on online in these stories and the, and the comments below that is this censorship is, is this Microsoft and Sony, you know, putting their foot down 
and not allowing you to just have a good fun time like you otherwise would? Or is this a breach of privacy? Should you be able to record a voice chat, a a party chat, even if it's some guy just asking for the party after the game so he can talk smack and then you record it? Is that a breach of that person's privacy? Now, Sony did make an announcement and said, hey, this is going to be a a feature. We are going to allow you to record these chat messages. So it shouldn't come as a surprise if someone gets booted because they said something just really, really foul. And, And will this overall be a force for good? Will this cut down on some of the toxicity, some of the nastiness that you see when you're playing online games? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, on the one hand, am, I I don't often chat with randos. And if I get a request for a party chat, I'm like, no, thank you. You're just going to tell me to stick my foot up my nose or whatever else. But I don't know. I guess if it's a good, good for the community, some people online are like, you know, you're, you're too weak. You wouldn't have been able to handle Xbox 360 chat to some of the people today, but should any of us had to like, if there's stuff that's just like outright uh, racist or anti-Semitic or you can't tell an 11 year old child to kill themselves. It's not, it's not a good, not a good look, buddy. I don't know. I don't know. I, my first blush is like, this is a bad idea. And it could be abused, but the systems in place are currently being abused. There's, I mean, if you think of like the most egregious thing that people do to other people online, whether it's convincing them to commit harm to themselves or someone else, or if it's finding their, their address and swatting them, calling the SWAT team on them, any measures that can cut down on that, I think is a good thing. But on the other hand, don't like the idea of some random stranger, but then I guess just don't invite random strangers to your party chat. Anyway, Anthony, if you're out there listening, what do you think about this? How does that strike your fancy? So uh, more Xbox news. Uh, Phil Spencer uh, recently said in an interview that the xCloud service would end up being on iOS devices. Now, a little bit of background here. The folks that make Fortnite, Epic, they got into a lawsuit. It was a lawsuit by their own design. Because on the App Store, if you have any in-app purchases, Apple takes its cut. It takes 30%, I believe is what it is. And so Epic, for their Fortnite game, on the Apple Store, they decided to allow in-app purchases not gone through the Apple Store thus bypassing Apple and allowing them or disallowing them to take their 30% cut. Now, this was a strategic move on Epic's part because Apple, seeing that Epic had violated its terms of service, decided to boot Fortnite from the App Store, to which Epic had a lawsuit prepared and immediately attacked Apple with or took them took them to court basically and you can you knew it was a premeditated move because as soon as they did it they had an entire CG rendered trailer 
the reminiscent of a 1984 Apple commercial in balking at Microsoft's monopoly, kind of to balk at Apple's monopoly, saying that if you have so many people, and the, many, many people have iOS devices, yet you control the entire market share for them, there's not another opportunity for me to go collect fees from these people because they just, this phone is so prevalent. The lawsuit's not going to go anywhere for Epic. If it's already, if it hasn't already been canned, it will be. But at the same time, oh, and then Epic and Android also had the same lawsuit. They had one in the bag for them as well because they pulled the same kind of shenanigans, I should say. At the same time, Microsoft, I don't remember if they were like, yeah, we want in on this lawsuit to make it class action or whatever. Let's let's do the thing. Or if they just made it known that, yeah, you know, Microsoft would like to be an app that could make in-app charges to its customers directly. And most specifically because of xCloud and xCloud is it's out on Android. Now you can play your Xbox games anywhere you sign up. Uh, with the app, and you go, you just go turn them on. Great news. Phil Spencer said, even though they won't let him make an app to do this because it wouldn't allow the Apple their cut, they did say, or Phil Spencer said, that we are going to get xCloud onto iPhones. We're going to do it, he said. And the way that he said they're going to do it is if they cannot get an app through to get this done they will use a web-based approach and so they'll do it through a, a browser which may have some issues with connectivity and controllers and you know maybe just being on the same uh wi-fi as you are uh with the controller as you are with the phone and it's that's kind of the same route that stadia's taken that luna Amazon's new Luna, which Anthony talked about, I believe, on Monday, will be taking. And speaking of Luna, uh, I was listening to the Giant Bombcast, and those guys were talking about the Luna controller and the Stadia controller. And both controllers use the same format that Xbox does. They've got the B-A-X-Y and then they've got the offset joysticks and then the D-pad below and the shoulder buttons and then the same kind of, you know, girthy, thick controller for you to just wrap your dirty hands around. I don't know why I got so sexual there, but that's just... So they got the same kind of controller, the same kind of setup on Stadia and Luna as they do on Microsoft, which got them got to thinking, which got me to thinking, this is now the standard... For controllers, like if three systems have agreed that this is going to be the baseline for controls, well then, that's what the standard is, and now PlayStation is deviating, Switch is deviating, and anything else that has a, a, a button control, control scheme different than this control scheme is one that, well, frankly, is deviating from the norm. Which got me thinking as well, what other parts and accessories could be standardized between these systems. Like obviously an HDMI cable could be. Could a power cable? Because all the power cables 
I mean, I guess there might be different draws for the system. They might need different power sets to power the, the, the mechanical uh, pieces of the system. But what else could be standardized? And then what else could be standardized for TVs? Like if you had just had one remote, no TVs came with remotes anymore because there was one remote. But I guess that the, the entrepreneurial side of these system sellers and these device sellers is one that would never allow something like that to happen. I guess that's why iOS devices, iPhones have their proprietary power chargers. Why isn't everyone just USB-C, I think, is the popular one? One 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 cord to rule them all. Come on. Now, I, th- I wouldn't have to have like a... Right now, they're in an old corn box on top of my shelf in my laundry room. All the extra and excess cords that I have that I don't know where they go to or I, I don't know um, <laughs> what they're for. The last piece of news that I wanted to share with you is we all thought after the purchase of Bethesda by Microsoft, you know, what is going to be Microsoft's next big studio purchase? And I had mentioned briefly that there were rumors floating around on the internet that it was going to be Sega. Maybe no one could have predicted, or maybe it should have been very obvious right in front of our eyes the whole time, but GameStop and Microsoft have now entered into a partnership, an agreement, uh, to sell Xbox All Access at more than 5,000 GameStop retail locations. And I just want to read this quote from the from this article here. I mean, this is this is crazy because the GameStops, they're now going to be using all these Microsoft Office products. They're going to be streamlining their business. They're going to be using these devices to make a more streamlined experience for the customer. And you know there's going to be special deals with, you know, Xboxes, with Microsoft products in the GameStop stores. Now, Microsoft and Xbox have a very brick and mortar headquarters basically for their next generation of consoles, which is, it's, it's awesome for Xbox, which I, I know I've drawn the ire of some of the fans of culture jacked, uh, Kayleen, if you're out there listening, I don't dislike Sony. I just like Microsoft more. And though it may make your blood boil, though it may make your eyes red and the veins pop out in your forehead, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that GameStop did not make a deal with PlayStation. GameStop is a dying, it's a dying brand. These stores were going out of business. They were becoming hot topics very quickly. And so with their their floundering numbers it should have been obvious that someone was going to swoop up and partner up with them so anyway onto the onto this quote from the article here <clears throat> for many years gamestop has been a strong go-to market partner for our gaming products and we are excited about continuing and involving that relationship for the launch of the Xbox Series X and S. Microsoft Xbox chief Phil Spencer said in a statement. And that's his real voice. That's what that's what uh, Phil sounds like. 
GameStop extensive store base focus on digital transformation in an omni-channel environment and expert gamer associates remain an important part of our gaming ecosystem and we're pleased to elevate our partnership. Phil, you got away with words, baby. That I that was poetic. Will you read that to me while I sleep, Phil Spencer? Anyway, Microsoft stock jumped. Share prices for for uh, GameStop also jumped. It's pretty big news. I am not smart enough to know what the ramifications of such a deal are, but I still think it's cool. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy from GameStop. I'll buy from Fred Meyer. For those of you that know what Fred Meyer is, okay. So. Like I said earlier in the show, Anthony suggested, he recommended a documentary called The Social Dilemma. Um, so I went to search for it on Netflix, and, and first I found The Social Network with Jesse Eisenberg um, playing Mark Zuckerberg about the creation of Facebook. And so, of course, I watched that again because it's a wonderful movie, and... Uh, anything with Eisenberg is worth a quick watch. And then I found another film on Netflix called Social Animals. Uh, it's a comedy uh, about one night stands and some scandalous relationships. <laughs> but I finally got around. I finally got around to watching The Social Dilemma. And I know Anthony said he was going to do more of a deep dive into it uh, later. So I'm not going to poke at it too much. Um, but I do have some thoughts I do have some thoughts uh, about the ideas that are, are presented in the documentary. And the first is our addiction to the digital. And it's not just social applications. It's not just our devices. But it's our obsession with uh, new tech, new innovations. And and one of the lines really struck me, and it's something that I'd seen before, but it, it said, if you're not paying for a product, then you are the product. If that's free, if that's Facebook or Snapchat or Imager or Instagram or whatever it is, they're not selling anything to you. They are selling you to the advertisers. They're selling you to someone else. One of the other other things that they brought up in the in the documentary was uh, misinformation and how quickly it could be spread on, on, on a social platform. And, and this is one thing that you'll hear a lot in your conversations. Well, you got to do your own research. You got to do your own research, but what does that mean? No one's fault. No one's doing their own research and following the scientific method and looking for peer-reviewed, consensus-based decisions. People are doing their own research. At the same time, anybody can put quote research out on the internet. Anyone can make a video saying they know what's up, and then someone else in their research is going to stumble upon that video to this person who knows absolutely nothing or thinks they know everything about a particular subject or topic. And they'll be like, well, this person knows it. They said it convincingly. They sounded confident in their delivery. 
So I've just done my own research. I found this guy, and this guy has all the answers. But now we've just poisoned someone with bad information. And so I think it's important when you're doing your own research, you look for reputation. You look for things that are are reputable and that things that can be verified and things that are consensus-driven. I think that's incredibly important. And, And not enough people, I think, take that extra step to find really the the truth behind a behind a matter and they research thing and they maybe they come across some conspiracy that's so nutty but someone has put it together so convincingly that they just fall into the trap and so a lot of the ways that they 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 said there's no taking there's no putting the genie back in the bottle with this social network stuff it's out there and they are constantly thinking about how to pull your attention to your phone, to these applications, to their advertisers. And so what is the solution to it? I think, and they said it in there, is regulation. And you know, this is not the first time that regulation is a good answer for things. I mean, they took subconscious advertising out of commercial products years and years ago where they would just flash for a quick second on the screen. Not enough for your your forward human brain to catch, but just enough time for your monkey brain to realize that you needed to buy Toyota or more likely like Ford or, or Chevy, something American made. <laughs> And the regulation idea is not a new idea, and it was one that was presented in this in this show. There was a presidential candidate, Andrew Yang, who talked a lot about owning your own data. And I may have said data just then and data before. I'd like to throw it up in both <laughs> both ways because I want to capture everyone's reader. This is a show for all of you. This isn't just a show for me. But Andrew Yang made some really good points about if Facebook is making money off of you, you should be getting a percentage of that money. That is your data, which you can either consent to or not consent to. Say, I don't want my data, so I don't want my digital soul to be sold or if I do want my digital soul to be sold, it can be sold, but at a price that I benefit from. Uh, Edward Snowden, who uh, notoriously or famously, I, I guess, depending on how you view the man exposed governmental overreach and then fled. I believe he's currently in Moscow perhaps. Um, but he was on, I I listened to this great podcast called Ted radio hour and they do a a myriad of, of different subjects and topics. And he was talking about digital privacy. Now, unlike Yang who Yang thinks, well, someone's making a profit off it. It might as well be you. Snowden believes that this, this profit shouldn't ever be made in the first place. And the way that you are tracked via your cell phone, your internet usage, your application usage, it should never be done in the first place. And there should be laws and regulations preventing 
that sort of thing. The, the, the show, the social, social dilemma does a lot better job talking about it than, than I am now. So like Anthony said, he, he gave his number one ACE recommendation for the show. Go check it out. Go watch it. And the, the docu the documentary itself, in a lot of ways, they, they make it seem very nefarious and it is, it is very nefarious and it's very underhanded and it's very scummy, all of this internet and social media stuff. However, when watching it, I was waiting for the big aha moment. I was waiting for the big surprise and it never came. There was nothing in this documentary that really surprised me, whether it was, you know, the, the radicalization of some people which the boys, I just finished watching and I'll talk about that later. Uh, it had a really good episode about the character Stormfront and the way that she was promoting her radical agenda and the way that just everyday Joes could be radicalized by it and do really, really heinous things to which one of them did in the show. So I never got that, I never got that aha moment. I never got that, oh, that's something unexpected. It, it all is as nefarious as I imagined it was. And that's one of the points that uh, Edward Snowden made when the interviewer asked, asked her, asked him. He said, well, it's my choice. I'll just give it up. And Edward Snowden said, well, Maybe you don't have a choice. And this documentary echoed that sentiment that maybe they have done such a good job building these subconscious drivers into these systems that there's no, it's not an even playing field. It's not a level playing field. One of the, one of the creators, one of the developers of some of this software in the show actually said, I was falling prey to the same product at night that I had spent developing during the day. So it, pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, it, <laughs> some of the dramatical, um, or dramatic elements of the show were a little overplayed to me. Like the, the kid whose parent put up their cell phone in this sealed jar and said, no one gets any cell phones for an hour while we eat dinner. And the kid goes over and breaks the jar Come on, come on, parents. If there's any parents out there listening to me, you're paying for that cell phone. You take it at that point. They don't get a cell phone. They don't need one just because their friends have one. Let's not be ridiculous. I, I have long been a proponent of a, a child having a cell phone when they begin to drive and not a smartphone, even though I don't even know if they sell anything but nowadays but just a regular phone to stay in contact. It's, it's funny because all of this stuff is so new. And Joe Rogan said in one of his podcasts, he was talking about how our, our monkey brains are not equipped to deal with this type of attention day in and day out. He said, there's Instagram models that have millions of followers back when there was no internet 
and we were just in our small tribes and villages, we didn't have to deal with whatever it does to your brain, Joe Rogan says, when you've got millions, 20 million people looking at a picture of your butt. And a, a young developing brain as well, not even something that something that a mature brain might be more well-equipped to handle, but a young person being so idolized like that, it does something to disconnect something that our animal brains are not used to or don't know how to do yet. And they mentioned in the documentary that human evolution has not kept up with technological evolution. They are not on the same trajectory at all. And we, we use social media, obviously here at Culture Jacked. You found us on the Facebook app or the Twitter app. We uh, do stuff on YouTube. We have things. Gosh, you know, I want to advertise this show to you because I'm proud of it. I'm proud of a thing that I created that I get to get into your listening ears. And so, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. One thing that really bothered me about the documentary though, Anthony, is that the main guy kept saying emails in reference to most of his online social media interactions. So I don't know if that meant uh, in his DMs, in his comments, everything was emails to him, or if maybe he just sounded really old, like an old person that calls every gaming console a Nintendo, or if maybe I'm old and that's what young people call it now. And they call it emails, regardless of what's going on. Maybe you're getting a private message. It's an email now. Or maybe, um, I don't know, maybe it's just a term that they use in the tech industry for every uh, interaction between people is emails. However it was intended, I was very perturbed by it and I didn't care for it. It was a good, it was a good documentary, but I don't know how much it's going to move the needle. I don't know how much that it's going to change someone's mind who is a a heavy user of the social media stuff. But it was a good documentary, good good recommendation there Anthony, I appreciate it. I also this week or last week I guess, last Friday I finished The Boys. I think I avoided talking about spoilers then or maybe I hadn't finished it by the time I did last week's podcast. Um, but I am going to talk about it today at the end of the episode. So if you haven't seen it, I'll tell you when I'm going to talk about it and you can avoid the spoilers that way. But please enjoy the rest of the show without being spoiled. I recently saw a picture. It was a Photoshop picture of Carl Urban uh, from The Boys. He plays Billy Butcher. And he was Photoshopped as Wolverine. And it's interesting because there's been a lot of actors that have been Dreamcast for Wolverine in the MCU to include Keanu Reeves, Tom Hardy, Henry Cavill, John Bernthal, and uh, Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. Some people have also suggested that uh, Hugh Jackman come back and play the role, which I think is a terrible idea. I personally... Would love to see uh, Jonathan Manu Bennett. Um, he he played Deathstroke in the Arrow television program. He was amazing. I actually 
lobbied heavily. I mean, I sent out a tweet, one tweet, um, to play Cable in the Deadpool movies because I thought he would be great for Cable. I've also started another series in the place of the boys on Amazon uh, called Utopia. Have you seen this Utopia show? It's amazing. It is about a comic called Dystopia that has predicted every one, I don't know, in the last hundred years, every one of these major pandemics to include Zika virus, Ebola, swine flu, bird flu, all these. What a, what a timely show. I mean, it's interesting because he got this utopia show talking about pandemics at the same time we have an actual pandemic going on. You have the boys talking about the radicalization through social media and other things at the same time as we've got the radicalization through social media and other things. It's just, it's funny to see these contemporary ideas unfold in these fantasy worlds in such a uh, effective, if not on the nose sort of way. So these comics, they predict viral outbreaks and they're called dystopia, but then there's a comic that's found that's called utopia, which is supposed to show them how they can save the world. I'm only two episodes in so far. I know there's more. I think it might even be finished. It's another one that's doing a week by week uh, thing. It's um, also got John Cusack in it. In the, I'm I, like I said, I'm two episodes in. They just introduced him in the second episode, and then I unfortunately I don't remember the actor's name, but he's Dwight Schrute from The Office. He plays the scientist, and as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not a, a literary genius, but I think the writing is pretty good. And to that effect, they have already killed off in the second episode one of the people that I thought was going to be one of the main, if not the main character already. And it was very surprising, very shocking. My mouth stood agape, my hand covered it lightly, and I gave out a silent <gasps> gasp when it happened. So that's a show all about comics. And speaking of comics, finally... I get to talk to you a little bit about uh, comics. I'm going to shift the focus of uh, this podcast over to something very, very important. And that's me. (laughs) I'm a 35-year-old man who still reads comics. But I did not start when I was 35. I've got a a long history when it comes uh, to reading comics. And I think one of the first... One of the first comics that I read or read with any type of uh, serial consistency was the Archie comics. And you and you still see Archie comics today. It's so bizarre in check stands at supermarkets and things. Uh, Jughead, Betty and Veronica, these types, Riverdale. And they've got that show, which I want to check out sometime, but I don't because it's Probably just a total soap opera, which the comics were as well. But Jughead always wanted a, a burger. And I remember one where he couldn't afford a burger and he went in and he he borrowed someone's crackers and he put ketchup on crackers and ate them. And then he put like grape jelly and water and made a made a drink because he was so broke ass. But he wanted those those cheeseburgers and he had that goofy cardboard crown. Anyway, 
Archie comics, not typically the kinds of comics that I enjoy today, but I don't know, man. I feel like that's where I got my start with comic books and my, my, you know, I read some newspaper comics that were funny, you know, the old Garfield, Dilbert, those sorts of things. My buddy Tom had a couple of books called The Adventures of Tintin. So if any of you out there have read or heard about The Adventures of Tintin, those were a good inspiration for me getting into the comic book scene. And then I think before comics were the X-Men cartoons and uh, the X-Men trading cards. We actually had a... uh, We had a... A store it was called B and B Comics, and my brothers and I would we would always go get trading cards, We'd get X Men trading cards to complete our collections at this store. And I remember one time I was counting up change to get another couple packs, probably of X Men cards, and I counted it out and I was like, okay, I got enough. And I went to the store and I put all of this change in a Ziploc bag. And I remember, and I may have told this story on another episode, uh, but I remember going to the store and going to the old man that ran the store. I said, I'd like to buy these. And he said, it's going to be this much money. And I said, here's my Ziploc bag. That's how much money's in it. You can count it if you want, but I already counted it. And he said, no, son, I trust you. And I said, all right, sweet. And I left with my cards. And when I got home, I opened my folder to put my new cards in some of the change that I had counted was, uh, it was already, it was left in there. So I didn't actually lied to him. I stole those cards and I feel guilty about it to this day. But my history with comics is more than that. Like Calvin and Hobbes. I had a lot of Calvin and Hobbes books, again, inspired by my buddy, Tom. Tom was a good inspiration for a lot of the, I mean, he had it, uh, a good taste in comic books. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes. He also had um, some Asterix and Obelisk comic books. So it's a little bit more of kind of a um, one-off or I don't know, maybe a comic book brand that you wouldn't, wouldn't really, really expect. And I just found out in looking this up on the internet that there are a couple of animated films based on these comics and so I, i'm gonna have to check them out one was released in 2015 and one was released in i think it was last year it was last year or the year before and uh i remember getting a comic book from my buddy mike it was for my birthday or something as a kid and it was a spider-man comic and it had like this holographic foil on the front of it that was just I don't know, it popped out and I wanted to keep it forever and keep it in the sleeve because I, 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 I don't know, I wanted to keep it pristine. I thought that there would be an opportunity for maybe me to make, you know, a kajillion dollars off of it later. And then, uh, later on in my life, it was, gosh, it must've been much later. I got into anime when I was in my mid teens and I watched anime for a few years before I got into Japanese manga, the Japanese comic books. And those were great. I mean, one of my 
all-time favorite comic books is One Piece by Ichiro Oda. And I, I probably have talked about One Piece before. I'm gonna, I, I need to do a whole podcast on One Piece because it is amazing. It is such a wonderfully built world. It stars this boy who ate this magical, it's called a devil's fruit in the series and he ate the gum gum fruit. So now he can stretch his arms really far and his legs and his whole body is like a, a rubber, a rubber person. And all these other people have eaten these other devil fruits. And there's a, a, a grand pirate uh, line uh, known as grand line. And at the end of it is buried the, the treasure one piece that was buried by the, the gold, gold pirate, Roger gold D Roger. And, uh, before he was hanged, he told all the other pirates, this is where I've hidden my treasure. Go find it. Go be the king of pirates. And so now they're all competing to be the king of pirates. It's gone on for like 900 some odd chapters. Like it is a long running manga. And I watched the anime, but then I moved into the manga. And that's what got me started on Japanese manga. And I have read many, many manga since then. Naruto, Bleach, Attack on Titan, My Hero Academia. There was one called uh, Black Clover. What was that one called? Uh, Hitman Reborn. If oh, if you want a good manga, read Hitman Reborn. And it's tricky because the first fifty chapters are absolute garbage. They're they're no good. But if you can get past those first fifty chapters, you're in. You're in. It's so good after that. Now, I I started liking comics later in life. Like the X-Men cards and the X-Men cartoons were a big draw for me, but I never really had a, a comic book store that was close by. I had B&B comics, but it wasn't close enough where I could I could get into serialized comics. And so I, I read them occasionally. I'm trying to introduce my children. I have a, a eight year old and a seven year old, and I'm trying to introduce them to comics a little earlier than myself. So my son, uh, who's a little older, he is now reading one piece. I went and I, I, all the, all the one piece that I read was bootlegged. I read it offline, didn't pay a dime for it. So to pay my penance, for my thievery, you wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> I, I, I bought him all of the volumes that they have out in these big, thick three volume omnibuses. And I think, I don't know how many there are, but like I said, there's like 90 volumes of these things. So I guess that'd be like 30 books anyway. So he's reading through one piece and I couldn't be more thrilled. I, my boss actually, he said, my dad made me read comics. And he made me read comics because he liked to see me read. He didn't care what I was reading as long as I was reading. And that couldn't be more true. I'm so happy that my son is enjoying this world that Oda built, that he is immersed in it. And he's reading too, which is good. Helps his grain, his, his grain, bro. <laughs> Helps his grain, bro. Helps his brain grow. And I like it. And I've been trying to get him into DC and Marvel comics as well. But the thing is about these DC and Marvel comics is they're very violent. I I haven't yet 
discovered a run on these comics that is one I feel comfortable with just handing it to him and saying, have at it, bud. And so I, I'm still looking. I found some some child versions of the heroes, some encyclopedias that I think will get them better acquainted with the heroes because I don't want my, this is, you know, every parent wants a better life for their kids. I mean, if you're not a scumbag and for them to be better off than I am or was, I want them to have that encyclopedic knowledge of these Marvel and DC characters that I didn't have, that I don't have, and why I have to go to the wiki <laughs> every time a new show comes out. I hate it. Um, so I'm trying to work on him. Uh, for my daughter, you know, she hasn't had a proper introduction to comics yet just because she's she's not quite as skilled a reader yet. So we're working on her reading skills. But when I do introduce her to comics, the comic books have for so long been, it's been a man's game. Like there's a majority of male superheroes. And like I talked about when I talked about Wonder Woman before, it's nice to see the introduction and the kind of creeping in of these strong female heroes. And so I think I'd like to start her off with something like uh, Kamala Khan, where uh, Miss Marvel, she's got the big, she bigifies her hands and stretches out. And I think that'd be really cool for her. And I think it's a really cool character that she would like specifically because so far she's a fireball. She's, she's just as quirky as uh, young Miss Khan as well. And so in thinking about um, getting back into comics and getting my kids into them, I also have been thinking about getting back into them. And so to that end, not only did I buy all these One Piece books, but I have been slowly, when I can, you know, when my wallet can take a hit for it, I've been slowly buying omnibuses of other things like, I got an omnibus for Civil War, for Secret Invasion, Secret Wars. There was another one I got recently, a Fantastic Four omnibus, which is really cool because I I can't wait for the Fantastic Four to be reintroduced in the MCU. But they've got a lot of interesting storylines just, just in and of themselves. Then... Um, I'm also reading this one called Saga. Saga is super cool because there's a, there's like these two planets or two moons and they're at war with each other. And one of them, one of their defining characteristics is they've got horns on their head and the other, well, they've got wings. And so these two species are, they are at each other's throats. And one of them gets captured, becomes prisoner of war, falls in love with their captor. And then they have a child. And both of the bureaucrats on either side of this war decide that they don't want this child to be a thing because that could herald a new peace between these worlds, which is all orchestrated by a third world that's, um, oh no, never mind. They were neutral. Maybe they're profiteering off the war. I'm not sure, but they're like robot heads and they've got TVs for heads and their TVs showcase their emotions. So if they're mad, there's like a war movie playing. And then if they're, you know, horny, then there's like porno playing on their TV and it's, oh, it's animated very beautifully, but 
I can't remember who the author is right now. Uh, I don't know. Comics are very, very interesting and appealing because they're, they inspire the child inside of me. But at the same time, the content of the comics can be very adult, can be very mature. And I don't know. I, it, they're just, they're a, another interesting way to, to tell a story and not that a movie and a book are a bad way to tell a story, but for someone to be so impassioned to show you and tell you the story of a comic book. Yeah. Chef's kiss too good. So those are some of the things that I'm currently reading. There are other things that I would like to read. Uh, to include Umbrella Academy. So if you haven't seen that, that's on Netflix, but it came from a comic book. And so I've got that in my shopping cart on Amazon. Uh, The Walking Dead, another comic book adaptation become, actually it's a, it's a sprawling series of, of shows now. I mean, they've got The Walking Dead, The Fear of the Walking Dead, The World Beyond the Walking Dead. They've got all these different spinoff shows for it. And I think they're doing more spinoff shows for it. And I think there was supposed to be a Walking Dead movie starring Rick Grimes because he, spoiler alert, got kidnapped away in one of the later episodes in maybe season nine or eight. I'm not sure. Anyway, that's not what this is all about. I want to read some more Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Again, Tom was telling me about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And apparently in the original one, Raphael actually killed the Shredder and took up the mantle of the leader of the foot clan at some point. So I'd like to see that as I discussed in earlier podcast, I'd like to read Sandman. I'm always on the lookout for better, uh, Marvel and DC type event omnibuses. I read, um, red Superman. Is it red Superman? Red Kryptonian. Where Superman, instead of landing in America, he lands in Russia and becomes a communist, which I think is interesting. And I wanted to read The Boys, the comic book that the the show is, you know, taken taken from. But, um, you know, the I heard it was very slow and not good. So it's on my list, but it's like lower, lower on my list. And... Speaking of the boys, the season two just wrapped up, had the finale. I'm going to, I'm going to get some, oh shit. I, um, I had some notes here on, uh, New York comic con happened. And I mentioned a couple of things that happened in New York comic con, but I, I quickly grabbed some bullets off of IGN to share with you in case you hadn't been keeping up or if there's something that sparked your interest, you can go check it out. But, uh, some big announcements from New York Comic Con happened on the 8th through the 11th of October this year. There was a preview for Resident Alien. It's a sci-fi show, and it's it's got the same guy. What's his name? Tudyk? Tudyk? Alan Tudyk? Uh, he's, he, did, he did Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. If you haven't seen that, that's a great movie. All these college kids come and they think that these two redneck guys are are gonna murder them 
so they try and murder them instead, but all end up killing themselves, or many of them do. I don't know. It's a great show. I would very highly recommend it. But this Resident Alien is based on a Dark Horse comic, so there's a trailer there. There was a trailer for The Stand. A It's a CBS TV show. Invincible, we talked about that, that, that kind of adult animation. Uh, here's one. Animaniacs is getting a reboot on Hulu. Some Star Trek stuff that no one cares about. <laughs> That Modoc trailer I talked about, uh, The Watch, it was very, very weird, very supernatural. It looks like it has really, really good, good writing. It's going to be on the BBC. It's a adaptation of Terry Pratchett's Discworld, which I'm not familiar, but I assume is a comic or a fantasy novel of some kind. Uh, Anthony, you'll be very interested. They dropped a trailer for the third season of American Gods. I know you like that show. And then another trailer for Truth Seekers. That's that. Um, that is the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost joint. You know, get get to the, the Winchester. That's where we're going to go. Right out this zombie apocalypse. And that's not a note for New York Comic Con. Uh, I just, I wrote down on a sticky that says... Do animals feel they are immortal? I don't recall what I was thinking of when I wrote that down, but I bet they do. I mean, right? They have to. A dog and a cat does not anticipate its own death. I doubt it. Maybe they do. I don't know. I need to think about this more. Maybe that's why I wrote it down. I'm like, Dustin, think about this more. Anyway, the boys. Season two finale hit. So hopefully you guys watched it. Uh, if you didn't, if you care, I am going to be talking about a little bit about it um, right here. So, so turn off the podcast or fast forward it. I don't know how it works timestamps. So I don't know when you need to fast forward it to. Anyway, here it goes. Um, they did a good job of drawing parallels to Billy Butcher and to Homelander in that they both had a very shitty childhood and that could explain why they are assholes. I mean, Billy Butcher, yeah, his his wife was uh, raped by Homelander and so he definitely, that was a reason why he held a grudge, but apparently he was an asshole before all that started as well. And then Homelander... You know, his his father was a scientist and they kept him isolated and they wanted to make him strong. And so, you know, they're the same guy. They're a mirror of each other, one with powers, one without. They talked about Stormfront's origins. So they exposed her as a Nazi, like a literal Nazi, like she is an old, old superhero. Used to go by the name Liberty, but she was one of the original superheroes that Vought created, and she was actually married to the originator of the company, the founder of the company, uh, Mr. Vought himself. I can't remember his name. In one of the episodes this season, they had a character they introduced called Love Sausage, who I guess his power is manipulating his giant schlong because he tried to choke out mother's milk with it. And... 
Lamplighter was introduced and then killed himself in the show. Talked a little bit about radicalization of people where Stormfront, with her memes, with her propaganda, with her rhetoric, convinced this guy to kill this store clerk because she he thought that he saw like a glimmer in his eyes. Thought he was a super super villain or super terrorist. So he killed him. Because he was just exposed over and over to this Alex Jones type radio messaging and internet chat boards and just it goes back to that social dilemma. Back to the way that we can very easily become radicalized if we get caught in our own echo chambers. We do we do too much of our own research while at the same time not doing enough of our own research. And this guy, um, he fell victim to that. Homelander, at the end, uh, after his son barbecued uh, both Stormfront. Now, the implication, and Kevin Smith and Mark were talking about this, was that Stormfront, in her final last-ditch effort as she was getting barbecued by Ryan's heat vision, crushed Becca's neck. But I am of the mind that the, the, the laser vision skimmed across her neck, giving her the fatal wound that eventually killed her. How damaging for, for poor young Ryan. But Homelander gave up his son instead of killing everyone because he didn't want that video exposed. He didn't want his popularity to be diminished in any kind of way. And so he gave up his son to Billy Butcher. They called it a truce and everything's kind of back to a level playing field. In this season, it was shown that Black Noir had a nut allergy. That was really funny. I really liked that. And one of the, I felt really bad for the guards, the Vought guards that were sent to find Ryan in that cabin. Ryan was gone. Billy already had him. But by that time, it was too late. Homelander got back. You knew when he, when he walked in that door. Oh, these guys are fucked. Oh, no. I can't wait for season three. They left a good cliffhanger on it. And the person who was exploding heads was like the uh, AOC character politician who we don't really know what her motivations are to killing all of these people, exploding all of these heads. And that one CIA agent from the beginning of the beginning of the season so it'll be interesting to see how they all all play it out and then of course there was Homelander uh, at the very very end just whispering muttering mumbling to himself that he could do whatever he wants while he was on top of a gargoyle on a skyscraper just pants down beating it into the wind oh what a good show what a good show what a I don't want to say realistic, but what a believable interpretation of what superheroes or superpowered people would be like and what they would do if they existed. They wouldn't be any superhero. That's for sure. I got through the New York Comic Con stuff. I talked about the boys. I think I'm going to end the episode. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's it. So hopefully y'all have a good weekend. 
Stay tuned on Monday when that rolls around for Anthony and Monday Madness. And make sure, Anthony did a good job explaining it on Monday, but make sure that you leave us a review. You can go into your um, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review on there, rate us five stars, please. Or whatever you think we are, maybe we're at three stars now and we can endeavor to be that five-star podcast in your life. But leave us a, a star review and then write us a comment on there. Tell us what you like best or what you like least about the show. I don't know a lot about algorithms, but I do know that engagement on whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast on can only help convince the computer and AI systems that run the world that we are worth listening to and more people should listen to us to sell whatever products that these social media platforms are selling. Speaking of social media platforms, Anthony did talk about it. He gave a big thank you. I want to give a a thank you as well to the folks over on uh, Facebook who have liked and followed our page over there for updates on Culture Jack. That's so awesome. We just made over 100 follows on that. I'm very excited. Um, And we're averaging like 400 plays uh, a week. Granted, many of those are still coming out of France. Thank you guys over in France who listen to Culture Jacked. I don't know if we'll ever be able to explain this phenomenon, but if anyone of you out there can, and you're from uh, France, please let us know. But mercy, thank you very much uh, for your patronage over there in France. And that's, I mean, that's a weird thing to think about. It's a crazy thing to think about that... 400 times people are listening to on average something that you created something that you made something that you set up a a microphone you talked into and people wanted to hear it 400 times maybe they didn't want to hear it 400 times but they were curious about it 400 times it's such a good feeling and thank you thank you thank you so much for all the support all the comments, all the shares, all the reviews. Gosh, I'm going to I'm going to cry, guys. Probably not. Anyway, that's been the Friday show. Everyone have a good weekend. We'll see you next week. <laughs>